The Truth or Politics Podcast, Episode 10, Catch Up with Robert and Bradley. Thank you for your podcast. I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, and Robert, you were right. I think each episode keeps getting better and better. Um, so, yeah, I think you're doing a great job so far. The truth will set you free. At least that's what I've been told. I said the truth will set you free. At least that's what I've been told. I've got misinformation on the left and right of me. And in the middle, a truth. Politics Podcast. This is your only show. This is the truth of politics podcast. This is your only Welcome to the Truth of Politics podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Bradley, and uh, coming to you across a couple rivers, as we discussed, but got cut out a little bit earlier, <laughs> is uh, my co-host. And, and that would still be Robert. We we are still yes. co-hosting together. The group hasn't been split. There's not been a Yoko Ono to do that yet. Ooh, and you're a big Beatles fan. I wonder how you feel about that. Uh, you know, I think you, she gets a bad rap. But I, I, I think she does, too. I think she does too. So we we're already throwing down controversial, not really music type. music history. Yeah, already throwing some. We're gonna be on the I guess the equivalent of the dirt sheets of whatever music I don't know something like that. Boy, you're you're, you're you're just you're just you're just swinging for the fences right now, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just for uh, I guess for the posterity of this recording, I am completely uh, sober, so. No, no, no one would know any different. I don't, I don't know what came across, but man, Robert, what what has been going on? What has happened in the world of politics since we last talked about the world of politics and didn't have a, an interview? Or anything? Well, we we say we want to catch up on things. I mean, it's certainly been a while since uh, you and I have been able to talk. And and for those of you who, by some miracle, are um, listening to us for the very first time. I'm not sure why you're listening to our 10th episode for the very first time, but you know, that's fine. We, we'd appreciate it if you go back and listen to a few other ones, but we, we bill ourselves as a, you know, I think at one point we said we accept all biases and, and that, and it's not a bias free podcast, but it, it kind of is a bias free podcast because, you know, we try to examine, um, any article, any statement, any video that comes out in the world of media and just try to see what is kind of blowing smoke or what, what is the truth? And, uh, so, you know, there, there have been goodness gracious, quite a few things <laughs> that have been happening lately. 
And certainly um, one of them has been, there's been a lot of uh, censure um, type of events happening, right, yes. Bradley? A yeah. Lot, a lot um, of censure. What, what, what's someone that you remember? Uh, I mean, you know, I guess going right off the bat is the, uh, uh, man, and then the, was it, was her name Cheney? Is it, was is her name Liz Cheney? Liz Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. Dick Cheney's, yeah. Dick Cheney's daughter. Yeah, which uh, I don't know if you saw Donald Trump Jr.'s comment about that at a rally. He said that he hoped her her shooting, her aim was better than her dad's or something to that effect, which... Oh, goodness. That, that's, that's, an, real, that's real classy, isn't it? But, well, yeah, let's, let's, but, apart from that, what was going on with her? What, what, why was she in the news? Uh, well, you know, of course, stemming from the, the Capitol riots that happened, there's this big sort of cabal to uh, impeach Trump. And whether you think, I guess, that that's a, a good move or not, you know, there's a couple, there's, I think, a couple Republicans that, 10 or so Republicans that sided to go through with the impeachment. Of course, it wasn't going to, I don't think it was ever going to successfully go through. Uh, I mean, he's he's no longer the sitting president, but we're they're still in the process of it. But so she was one of the Republicans, and I think that, uh, a lot of people in the party thought that it was in poor taste. And I know that Trump has put together his own caucus, uh, to basically campaign for 2022, uh, Senate and house, uh, members, which that really would have helped if he had done that in Georgia, instead of worrying about whatever the crap he was worrying about then. Uh, but you know, and he's, I think he's talked about not supporting her. The Wyoming Republican party wants her to repay all of her, uh, all of the money that they gave her in campaign funds and wants her to withdraw her, you know, to basically so, resign and uh, all that. Let me, yeah, let me back up a little bit. So she is, is she House of Representatives or she is Senator? I believe uh, she's yeah. House of Representatives, correct? She is, yes. Yeah, so uh, she was part of that that group, as you said, of the 10 Senate, 10, um, and there goes something from my cat. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Nothing, nothing like it. I've had so many things fall apart pre podcast. Oh boy, um, it's a sign from uh, it's a sign from QAnon. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she came out and you know strictly um, saying that she did not support uh, Trump's assertions about the election fraud, and that and that she said that he, um, I guess, is you know, in need of being uh, impeached because she approved the the House vote for that and voted to send that to the Senate for their consideration. And and now it looks like that we've got, um, you know, some more people who are in that House of Representatives. Um, there is the uh, gentleman from Montana. Is that correct? Sass? How do you, how do you pronounce his name? Yeah, yeah, it's Sass. Sass, yeah. And so I've he, heard. he then has now also um, said some things about it. And, you know, and he um, actually did not vote for Trump in 2016, was critical of him then, um, obviously has been critical of him leading up to 2020, didn't vote for him in 2020. And he believed that he needed to be um, held to... Um, at least, uh, you know, the consideration of this impeachment hearing and voted for it to go to the, the Senate along with eight other people. And, and then these people who have done this and been so outspoken, 
the um, various, I believe it's a lot of the state um, representatives who are, um, or the various groups that are actually saying they want to censure these people, correct? Isn't that what it is? At, yeah. least, in, at least in the guy from Montana, his Yeah, it's his coming case? mostly from, the, I think that the... Yeah, I think it's coming mostly from like the state Republican parties, uh, and I've got the list of the representatives. We can run by. I'm, I'm, I'll just give them the last name where they're from: uh, Kissinger of Illinois, Cheney of Wyoming, Kotko, it's K A T K O of New York, Upton of Michigan, uh, Butler of Washington, Newhouse of Washington, Gonzalez of Ohio, Tom Rice of South Carolina. Volato of California, and then I don't know how you pronounce his name. M E I J E R, Mejure of mm, I don't Michigan. Know. Okay, I don't know. Figure that I don't know. Is that is that German? I have no. Could be French. Uh, a lot Could of a lot of Canadians live in, or even um, I knew somebody who was actually Scandinavian who was um, from you know Michigan, from Michigan, and yeah. their their name had a uh, quite a different kind of spelling to it. So could have been it. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, there's all those people who have yeah, and, said this. And I also think like there's a, and one of the things that uh, uh, Representative Cheney pointed out was that there's a lot of people who still believe in the party that the insurrection was brought on by BLM and Antifa members. And that's sort of another part of the a bone of contention that they have of, of uh, why she voted for the impeachment. Uh and there's a lot of people, you know, who still push the fringe theories like that. Like, and when you think about it, I mean, if you're one of the people who who participated in these riots and you actually thought that the insurrection was a good thing, and like you're, the, you know, especially for the family, not really for the family, but uh, the woman who who you know passed away, mm-hmm. who, who was shot, you know, now to be called like an a, you know an an Antifa member, you know, something that you opposed. It's like sort of a slap in the face that people, right? Which, which I mean, it, it's it's a double edged sword, man. Like I know I'm saying this now, and people could take it the other way and say you're supporting insurrectionists, and that's not what I'm doing at all. I'm just really trying to just basically paint the picture for people of how these people are perceived. Uh, I mean, if that makes sense, I'm uh, just just basically I think that her big biggest bone of contention though was that all this, you know, all the, the people basically pushing, saying, hey, trying to distance themselves from it, but still supporting Trump and throughout the whole thing. And really, it's splitting the Republican Party. And I think the best thing to do, man, you just figure people would just wash their hands of it. I really think that they should have just dropped the... If I was in her position, I wouldn't have voted for the impeachment because it would just have splintered the party even more as it's sort of proven to be. Uh, but then at the same time, if you really have a moral, you know, if you have a moral obligation to follow through with the impeachment, then she should have definitely voted for it. I mean, I know that's sort of a double answer there, but I think that that, that was what I would think. Well, I mean, I think I think the point of contention um, that you're, you're certainly mentioning is that, you know, um, is it even right to try to impeach him when he's not a sitting president any longer. And, you know, does that then provide an argument for Republicans who are not in favor of him going through the impeachment process to then say it's unconstitutional? I mean, that's certainly what they're um, seem to be saying. 
And, and then the, you know, the other side of that is the people who say that they're, you know, don't want him to be able to have gotten away with what he did inciting the riots. And, and, uh, you know, and I think, I don't know where I sit on it because honestly, I don't know the legality of it. And, and they're going to be, I think, equal arguments on both sides of this thing to which I honestly, I'm not going to understand, um, who's telling the truth <laughs> and who isn't, yeah. especially when one says that you're saying it wrong, you're misinterpreting it. And really that's kind of where we're getting now is the interpretation yeah. of this. And then, and then, so do we, gosh, do we have to drag the Supreme court into this so that we can get an actual sitting body, you know, who is the, the highest court in the land who can interpret whether or not it even should be. But anyway, I think what this gets down to me again is taking this thing to the Senate floor. It's going to be a lot like the first Trump impeachment trial. And yeah. they have to have the numbers in order to do this. Now, in the first one, they didn't even have close to the numbers mm -hmm. that they needed to do it. But they still did it anyway. And so that makes you wonder, what was that all about? You know, I guess it, it could have been kind of like you said, a moral obligation. They felt like they just had to try. Like it needed to be brought yeah. out. And in this particular one, you know, they need at least like double the the number of people to, so to speak, be on the Republican side and vote to take him out. And then again, what, what is the actual benefit to doing this after he's no longer a sitting president? What I've heard some people say is it doesn't allow him the ability to run for office again. Is, is that correct? What you've heard? Um, I've heard mixed, a mixed bag on that. So basically I've heard that after the impeachment, and then they go through the impeachment trials. If he is formally impeached, then they would have to have another uh, another round where they basically have to vote again to basically bar him from running again. Uh, so even if they didn't go through the impeachment and you know voted to uphold it and all this stuff, they'd have to go through again. And and I'm not really sure how that works. But if for the people who are morally who feel a moral obligation to vote impeach him if they want if they thought that this was a, a you know a treasonous act uh impeachment is really a political process it's not really like a i mean it is but it's not a court of law process so if they wanted him to be held responsible you know as far as to the letter of the law they would have i mean the impeachment wouldn't make sense they would really just need to have a court case right uh so you know then that's another whole issue of it um so I yeah yeah it, it, it's it it the, the whole thing kind of boggles my mind and it, it is such a political process um that I, when you talk about things being illegal or just uh you know i don't i don't know where it all sorts itself out and who is you know, it's kind of what we said in the beginning of the podcast. For those of you who have listened to every podcast, T-shirts to you. We haven't made them yet. We don't know what they'll look like. <laughs> well, we kind of know what they'll look like. Um, but when we get when we bring them out, you're getting T-shirts. I, I can't stand by any of that. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, if you've been with us that long, you've heard us say we don't know where this 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 line of truth is. 
it's it's such a blurry blurry thing we just don't know where it's going to be so um but i you know what bradley yeah, we're, we're bouncing around a little and i don't really mind because as we've explained to people we're just trying to do a catch-up and have a conversation and I don't know if this is similar to a kind of conversation, you know, other people might have back and forth with people they know. And, uh, that's just sort of what we're doing now, but back to, um, you know, Miss green and the statements that she had made and the committees that she was on. I think one of the most telling ones is the education committee. And, yeah. and, f- and, and just for a clarification, this is the, the a different representative. Have we brought her up yet? I thought I thought we did. I thought we we were bringing up. Um, when we I'm sorry, we did. We brought up uh, Cheney and, yeah. and the fact that the Republicans were saying so much about her. And yeah. now now we're bringing up a Republican House other House member. Spectrum, yes, on the other end of the spectrum. Apologize. Thank you for jumping in on that. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Who has also been. Um, under a firestorm because of statements that she's made in support of Trump and also statements that she made in prior times, um, that were, um, really some pretty outlandish, um, statements, but the one very specifically that came to, um, came to a head, I think is what prompted a lot of this is there is a video of her, um, arguing with a, uh, a school shooting survivor of Parkland and, and, and denouncing that it was actually real. Um, and, and then mm. she serves on the house education committee mm. and really what they wanted to do was to remove her from that committee because I don't think to, for the most part, anybody who has reasonable, um, perspectives on this think that anything in Parkland was faked. And, um, so uh, I'm sorry, Sandy hook and Parkland, both, both those, both those massacres. She has said, or sorry, Bradley, go ahead. Oh no. I mean, mean, this is just sort of a situation where, um, I guess when I was younger, of course, like, cause how old was, uh, I was like five or six when nine 11 happened. So I meant YouTube was like a real new thing, like when I was in middle school. So there was like a lot of you could always find like nine, you know, nine eleven sort of conspiracy theories. Because she also mentioned that, right? Uh, but but eventually it comes to a point where I feel like the the normal. And I'm not saying anything against her, but I'm saying you know, as a as a functioning adult who was able to process information and see things, the amount of you know, especially for these school shootings, the amount of people who would have to be involved, and this is just. I'm I'm not trying to give credits, you know, credence to any of it. I'm just sort of talking through this as uh, as I see it. You know, the amount of fabrication and the amount of people who would have to be involved to make any of this seem viable or to to sort of perpetrate this hoax. I mean, there's a difference between like, hey, the the moon landing was faked, you know, which which I you know we could have a whole different conversation about that. And and those people, you know, that's different than saying, hey, these people who lost their children you know who will never get to see their kids again that's right. fake they're all yeah. actors i mean yeah. that's whole completely different uh you know if buzz aldrin's willing to punch somebody in the face over the moon landing you know have god forbid what what, what do you think some of these parents have the the right to do to these not the right but would do to these people who who think about this you know yeah uh 
So I mean, she and she's removed, removed from every committee she's involved with, I believe. So, uh, so I mean, and then she sent out this tweet. Let me see. If I, I woke up early this morning, literally laughing, thinking about a, a bunch of morons that the Democrats, plus the eleven Republicans, are for giving me, giving someone like me this amount of free time. Correct. This this is the the flip than the spin that she has put on this. That she is glad to have been called out for things that she has said wrong, and then she doesn't really specify exactly specific, you know, which one of those and 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 what she said that was so wrong. But then it's this whole thing that now she has all this free time to be able to do her job, and uh, boy, if that isn't just a desperate sound to me, a desperate sounding attempt to put put a bright face on what's going on with her. Yeah, and especially from I mean, when you're on uh, committees, you know, having worked with people who, you know, from various levels of government and talking to them and, our, you know, we have a senator here who's, he was, I think he was, he was appointed or he was elected under Reagan or he was around about the same time as Reagan and he's just now retiring this year. Uh, he's on a lot of committees, on a lot of steering committees, been on a, a lot and that brings a lot of uh it can help bring a lot of funding to to your state it can bring jobs to your state you know depending on what it is and it and it's important for you know your state to have people on these committees to sort of help draw stuff to your state you know sort yeah. of improve the you know the, your your state and she's from south georgia which i mean when you think of georgia you mostly think of uh you know sort of north you know where atlanta is marietta all those places uh, and then the coast, but I mean, I mean, it, it's really something that that is important, especially with education and all this stuff. That I think she sort of shot herself in the foot and represent and the people she represents. Uh, I would definitely, if I was them, look to run a candidate against you know against her and, and get her out of office. Yeah, anyway, they could. Yeah, yeah. Because some of the stuff she said is just you know. Right. Well, and there's the thing about um, what is it, the crazy crazy sounding thing jewish space space lasers started the california forest fires yeah um i mean we we guys we we can't substantiate any of these things but you've more than likely heard these exact same things uh that have been put out there and you know and when she was given her chance to speak in congress you know, she went through and said, of course, 9-11 was real. And, of course, the Sandy Hook shooting was real. And But they're very contradictory, you know, to statements she has yeah. made in the past. And so it's it's it just makes you wonder, you know, or, or really makes it obvious. She has a bigger spotlight on her in this. And so now you can have people who will say, oh, she's not that bad. I mean, she's saying she's sorry. Those things exist. I just don't really know. But like you say, the people who are the extremists, you know, what do they think now? Do they do they yeah. think that, um, you know, people have turned on them? Um, and I'm not really that worried about the extremists, but there, there's got to be some confusion within those ranks. Um, maybe some of them will, will turn and be more reasonable. I don't really know for sure. But it's it's amazing to me, you know, how many people still within – the Republican Party in the House still voted, though, to keep her on these committees um, be- with the things that she was saying. When she is also uh, is, is, is known to have th- said things 
that were potentially um, harmful to, you know, various Democratic um, leaders, and Pelosi being one of them. And, and, and my guess is since she's a freshman, a freshman congresswoman, that these are things that she said before she was in office. Mm-hmm. And and of course they're they're still holding her account to those, but you know just within the the state of Kentucky, I mean we have about five or six people who all went with um, still supporting her to be in these groups. And yeah. you know what what exactly do these people think? And then so back to uh, SASS um, from Montana, and and how strongly he came out to say what he said about Trump and, and, uh, you know, basically putting his country before his party politics. And, um, it, it just kind of blows your mind that there aren't more people who will do that. Um, so I, I don't know if that's, you know, do we, do we feel like that is kind of just a, you know, clearly, I mean, I'm, I'm not siding with the Republicans on this one, but is that just a desperate attempt by these remaining Republicans to try to keep face with their party and keep it strong and not show that they're breaking it apart. Um, or, or would you argue, and again, in, in saving their, their votes for the future, you know, or what would really be the best thing to do if they all came together and they said, yes, she's, she's not um, right in the head and they all voted to get her out. Um, then, would their base still want them to be in there? I mean, I don't know. It's it's such I, su- such a weird yeah. game. And you know, I think it's a situation too where after seeing the whole uh, Liz Cheney situation, that maybe they're afraid to vote against her and vote to you know vote her out of her position because they feel that there might be implications from the party, you know, against her. Uh, but I mean, even you know, she's from you know she's representative from from South Georgia. And some of the statements she's made, even about you know, pre, you know, former President Barack Obama, that he should be hanged, and that she said that the stage is being set. I mean, right? It's just such a t- tone deaf thing, you know. And uh, you know, it's a pretty pretty bad way to do it. But I I guess we could transition here and talk to something else, you know. Yeah, do it. Because I I recently listened to a po- you know really good podcast from Stuff You Should Know about the KKK, and me and you had a, a little bit of discussion about that, and. Uh, you know, of course, violence and hanging being a part of their, their, uh, motive operandi, but, uh, something that I guess the opposite of that is like the black colleges, the historical black colleges, uh, that, that, that opened up, that actually gave Africans, you know, African Americans the chance to, uh, you know, move up in the world and have a, get a higher education where that, I think that that opportunity may have not been there for them before. Uh, and I know that, you know, you're being a, you from Kentucky, but especially me in Alabama, uh, where we have, let's see, I think we've got 15 different, uh, historical black colleges here, including, uh, you know, Tuskegee Institute, you know, Tuskegee University and Alabama A&M, uh, Alabama state and stuff like that. Uh, and we were going to discuss basically the differences between the Obama administration or the Obama the Biden administration and the Trump administration, how they handled the funding of black colleges. Right. Um, which we're, I think we're probably going to get into it last, the executive orders of Biden and talk about that. Um, but you remember back, I guess Trump made the claim that he was saving black colleges and that they had, uh, 
that he had helped rescue them with their with their I guess their funding that they did and a lot of people he got a lot of backlash from that which I think that uh I guess of examining his claims he didn't save him you know how Trump Trump is with the hyperbole with the hyperbole that he uses but they did the U.S. Congress and him didn't sort of help fund it a lot with the Future Act uh because I, th- I think that sometimes, re- you know, recency bias will look at stuff, especially with uh, what Biden said recently, which we'll get to after I talk about this. Uh, you'll do this. You know, Trump didn't do this for black colleges when, you know, in actuality, he, he actually did help uh, give $255 million, you know, annually to uh, funding for minority serving colleges and $85 million specifically to uh, historical black colleges. Um, because I think there was like 102 of the of the colleges, historical black colleges, that faced financial pressure and all the stuff that just really needed help in that situation. Yeah, um, the the um, now one of the sources I have for that is Politic uh, Politifact. Yeah, Politifact, and yeah. and they did something on that too. Now their their claim for Trump though, I guess maybe a little different than what you're saying, or maybe this is still what you're saying. They, they say that his claim is mostly false. Oh yeah. It, it's definitely. So what you're saying is there, there, there's at least some element to it that is accurate, but would you agree though, that it's mostly false? I Somewhat would say, false. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, he, well, it sort of works on the, so basically you can make a statement in, if it didn't play itself out, I don't know if you can really prove or disprove, but there were 102 historical black colleges that were definitely had uh, financial problems that could have went under maybe unless somebody else stepped in. So I'm not saying like, did Trump save them? I mean, that, that really seems like a, the white knight sort of thing that's, I don't know. He, he sort of puts himself in the forefront some of the times, but is it completely inaccurate? I'd say it's about 50, 50 probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I th- because I think... even, yeah, even no, Betsy ahead. DeVos, you know, for all the, all the, you know, grief she got and, you know, maybe rightfully so in some respects, uh, she canceled a lot of the repayment of $300 million in federal relief loans that four of the biggest historical black colleges had taken out after hurricane Katrina. Uh, she mm-hmm. just canceled their, their debt that had been sort of looming over their head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, what I see here is they, they claim that uh, um, historical black college and universities receiving funding under the same program during President um, Barack Obama's time in the White House. Um, they're saying that it's a stretch that Trump saved them. Um, they've got two experts calculated the total federal funding provided to the historically black uh, college and universities. And uh, they said those numbers show little change between the Obama years and the first year under Trump. Now, well, maybe the first year, but what about the other years? Yeah, the, the, the article. So, yeah, yeah. So I, even even with this this article in Politifact, I think doesn't exactly say um, what he did do um, that that did help save them. But yeah, I see in here the ten year long term funding. Um, Trump says he gave more money. Um, and of course, then he says it the way that Trump would say it, and they didn't even ask for it, but I gave it to him. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, typical Trump. Oh, anyway, yeah. uh, but there was also uh, I was trying to find 
there was a there was sorry no it's okay i i think what their 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 main argument though is just that it's inaccurate for trump to say that the way that he saved those um hbcus um was that they had no funding before him and the reality yeah. oh, is yeah, they yeah. did have funding he helped extend it yeah um which is you know again a good thing and i think a good place to end end i guess trump's contribution there was a uh a woman, Rodriguez Murray of the United Negro College Fund, which I apologize if I butchered that name. Uh, she, this is a quote from her that I basically that I think sums it up. She talked. She basically said that uh, in one part she said that every you know he's been real transparent, been helpful, and her quote was when these items have gotten to the president's desk, the president has signed each and every one of them. So I think that he was more than willing to help them where you know in any way that he could. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'd venture to say that even if, I mean, even if he goes over the top and says his statements like he does, that he definitely did, did help, uh, historically black colleges. And I think that's why you see a lot of the people, you know, there's a lot of, I'm not saying a lot, but I'm, there were African-Americans who didn't normally vote Republican that did vote for him, especially some, uh, more well-known ones. Right. Uh, but, but even Biden in this article is, uh, January 27th of 2021, uh, this is from Inside Higher Ed, which was also the same source for the last article that I had, which was January of 2020, talking about uh, Trump's accomplishments. But uh, basically, Biden was put with the narrative that he didn't like the United States ever lived up to the ideals of the founding fathers, and that uh, he never felt like that we had given that the United States as a nation had given you know racial equity to historical black colleges. Uh, and that he was basically going to push funding. Um, here's a quote from him. Just ask the first HBCU graduate elected vice president if that's true, that uh, in, in in regards to how much more creative and innovative we'd be if this nation held historically back black colleges and universities the same funding and resources of public universities to compete for jobs and industries of the future. So basically that's him saying that he don't feel like the funding is as is as uh, well distributed to the historically black colleges. This is Biden who's saying this. Yes, this is Biden. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what, what I had seen on uh, a Facebook post was somebody saying, you know, don't tell me that Biden isn't racist. He just cut all the funding to the HBCUs. And then someone else who I guess had the same source of information, wherever the source came from, I don't know. Um, it w then said, yeah, that's right. He cut all that funding. You know, why don't they talk about that on CNN, you know, or something like that. And, and I, you know, I, clearly I think this is all just some, some sort of bizarre misinformation. Um, because again, this is nothing you've seen, right? That he cut all the funding. I mean, that's not even, close from what i can tell i you know what i think it could be uh and i because I, I have not 100 have not seen that right um but one of the things that you saw and which i saw this article too was it was it there was a different sort of different claim it said that uh it said hey which i haven't found anything on him cutting the black colleges i don't believe right. that i found anything to substantiate it but one of the things that people are like hey he you know biden has cut uh, has increased the prices of insulin for all these people. Right. I heard that one too. And, and I was like, you know, I don't, he, I don't understand. So apparently what he did, 
which rolls into the executive orders as he started basically writing off Trump's executive orders. And right. I don't know if he didn't really, you know, I don't know how that, ha- well, I don't know how that works or if there was something bundled into it, he wanted to get rid of, but he did suspend one of the, and he didn't completely outright get rid of the executive order, but he did suspend the, uh, federal, the, the, I think he did suspend the, the executive order that Trump had written that basically said that companies who got the insulin had to sell it at the same price. You know, they couldn't, they had to pass the savings on to the customers, basically what, what had happened. He had suspended that. And then, uh, I saw one article that argued that the companies already passed along the savings, which I don't know if that's true or not. I think that was a, a step out on, uh, I, th- I forgot what the source was. I'd have to look it up. Great journalism on our part right here. Remembering. Oh, yeah. Well, retaining our sources. Like and we I said, read we're so just... much that it just sort of flies through. Right. But I, yeah, but I do think that, uh, I think it could have been like a situation like that where it was just, uh, because I, I do think, now, now this is where we could get in trouble. Uh, so I apologize, Robert. I do think that Biden may have some, I'm not going to say he he did sponsor the 1994 crime bill, which is an, I know targeted minorities and and that was a big thing. But I don't think that he is outrightly racist. Sort of like I don't think that Trump is outrightly racist. I don't think that either of them are. I think it's just a Whoa. situation. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you are you comparing the level? No, 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 no. Uh, I want to make sure because it kind of sounds that way. You're not trying no, to say that Trump is equally as not racist as no, Biden I, is not racist. I'm just saying that I don't believe that, in my opinion, that neither of them are racist. That is what I'm saying. And, yeah. and I think that, and I mean, you could, I mean, I guess you could argue against that. But I think that especially with Trump's record and Biden's record, the way that they're funding, you know, historical black colleges, as we've sort of shown out, that I think that. At least they're not. Uh, at least they're not racist in that respect, or at least they're not exhibiting the racism. Yeah. And I don't. I yeah. don't think either. Well, I think yeah. I mean, whew, that's a that's a rough road to go down. Um, I. I mean, I. I think we need to potentially go with. We, we you and I can have the conversation, but I think somewhere down the road, if we get Pastor Freisen back. Um, his son wanted to be part of that conversation. Um, there's some other folks that I have considered who are kind of uh, Pastor Fryson's equivalents that are in the local area who it seems like I might have some contacts with. I would love to get uh, so basically people of color in here to talk, you know, very specifically. And, and for the most part, if we can, since it's a moderate podcast, moderately. Um, about mm-hmm. about the Black Lives Matter movement, about the uh, potential, uh, not potential, but the, the reality of the violence that we saw in, in those protests that then became riots. Um, I would really yeah. like to see um, people talk about that. I, you know, this, this is going kind of off the deep end a little bit, but somewhere down the road, um, I'd really like to see the... Um, uh, you know, some kind of discussion about Antifa. Um, does does it really truly exist? And if it does really truly exist, in what form does it really truly exist? You know, who really is this person that they talk about who funds it and pays for these rioters to come into towns and break everything up? Is that, you know, really happening? 
um, or is it just spontaneous uh, events? Uh, you know, personally, as, as I've said on this podcast, when I watched something that was less than a mile from my house and had a very good command of what the area looked like and how people were moving through the crowd, I saw what was a very peaceful protest with zero interaction and zero physical contact with the police, then all of a sudden get escalated by people coming up through the crowd of the peaceful protesters and then pushing the front line of the peaceful protesters into the police in and basically inciting not a riot, but inciting the police then to have to put people into handcuffs. And you know, who, who did that? Is that still our group of quote unquote peaceful protesters who did that? Is it as um, insidious as something like Antifa? You know, I don't know, but what ended up happening as a result of those people also getting arrested is then they went, as they were leaving that area, they went through and started kicking in store windows and damaging property and these things. Went up to that point, it was a very peaceful and, and you know, to my mind, the, the type of protest you should have. So I don't know where I'm going down that road, but um, I, th- I think that, um, you know, you can also say that Trump's handling of the uh, people outside of the church when he tried to clear the crowd. Now there are people of, of both white and, you know, black race who were in that crowd of protesters. But the way that he then used tear gas to disperse the crowd so that he could hold the Bible up and go through there and yeah. the, the, the full amount of um, security forces that they had on hand to control those crowds and what they did to, again, to disperse them, again, versus what was the presence at the Capitol, which was, you know, predominantly an all-white crowd. I'm sure there might have been a few African-Americans in it who were pro-Trump and were part of those groups. It seemed like there might have been some of them. But, you know, I mean, again, that uh, there, there certainly seemed to be a, a huge disparity in that, and Pastor Fryson brought it up, and so have others, is that they felt like if this had been a Black Lives Matter crowd who came down that, that far, that they would have had a bigger presence. And maybe they would have, because there certainly now are many uh, senators, many House of Representative people who want an investigation into these phone calls that came from the governor and the mayor in Maryland and slash uh, Washington, D.C., uh, essentially calling for the National Guard to come in and help them, and the calls went unanswered through the Secretary of Defense and other people. So I don't know. I'm, I, I, can't, I can't give you an equality on the Trump versus Biden on that particular uh, topic. That, that would be a tough one for me to do. I'm going to have to side more for Biden on that. Um, that, that would just be my perspective on it. I may have dominated way too much of that time. No, no, I think it's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good discussion to have. And I think moving from that, talking about Biden, talking about historical black colleges, one of the reasons that we even brought that up was, uh, our last matter of business today was Biden's executive orders, Ah, um, yes, which we could comb through these and read pages of material, um, but from what I gathered, he has issued 27 executive orders in his first uh, few weeks in office, which is by far more than Trump or uh, – I didn't look. I completely forgot. Was was Obama – did Trump have like seven executive orders or eight executive orders in his first few weeks? I, I don't remember. 
That's well. So what I've got here, are you looking at the CNN politics list? No, I'm looking at. Uh, so if you look at website? if you look at CNN politics, and guys, um, yeah, I'm, guys, you can do this okay. at home while we're scrolling. <laughs> um, dating up to let's see here, February fourth. Um, the way that they organize this is they have a date, they have the topic, and they have whether or not this is a reversal of a Trump um, policy or a slash executive order. And in, in the one, of the one of the ones on February 4th, for example, is the topic is immigration. This is a short one, so I'll read this all the way out. The reversal, they say it's yes. And the summary of this is that it expands the United States refugee admissions program and rescinds Trump policies that limited refugee admissions and required additional vetting. Um, so there's one. Um, there's another one right right beneath that that says it's on national security and asking whether or not this is a reversal of a Trump policy. And it says no. And it says the summary is that it establishes an interagency working group to, pr- to propose Im- improvements for recruiting, retaining, and supporting national security professions. Um, you know, so I don't know how big of a one that is. Here's one where there's another reversal. And for immigration, uh, again, this is a yes that it's a reversal. It says that it revokes Trump's order justifying separating families at the border and creates a task force that recommends steps to Biden to reunite separated families. So I don't know what was like, was that though an executive order by Trump that we're going to separate families? That sounds a little extreme. Am I I completely off base on that? I'm pretty sure that it was because it was, uh, it was sort of a point. Uh, I remember, I think campaigning, I think it was for, it was, it was after Ted Cruz, but it was for, I think Marco Rubio or something whenever he ran for Florida, which, you know, revealing more of my bias, I suppose. But, uh, one of the things was it was talking about the separation of the immigrants from the, your parents, because I think that uh, I forgot exactly how it all went down, but basically the thought was that if you deport the parents or separate them, that I meant, the like the you know because if the children were born here they're naturalized citizens but instead of so they couldn't really deport them back but they would separate them basically gotcha gotcha um, I mean, and i'm sure that's a way oversimplification of the of the matter uh but i also found this npr which i i looked so i was on the federal website that went through all of his uh executive orders and i counted 27 but it says that there's 28 of them uh, and this is basically a breakdown of the first two weeks. So he, he had 28. Uh, Trump had 12 in his first two weeks. Uh, President Obama had 16. Uh, and then, let's see. And then between Eisenhower and George W. Bush, none of them had over seven. Uh, Johnson, Kennedy, Carter, and uh, George W. Bush all had seven apiece. And then Clinton, six, Reagan, five, Ford, Nixon, five. Eisenhower six, Truman and forty five had thirteen, and then FDR and thirty three had thirty in his first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just basically a little breakdown of that. 
Uh, and then I found a Washington Post article that's real good that people that would be good to check out. A visual breakdown of Biden's barrage of executive actions in his first few weeks, uh, which the Washington Post is it is it lean a little rot? I believe you never know. I I I thought it did at one point, but when they um, came out and with those articles about Trump and and the you know the conversations about losers and suckers and and all those types of things. I know that was the Atlantic article, but the the post then came out in support yeah. of the Atlantic article. You know, yeah, apparently Trump yeah. denounced cool. them. So I, I can't tell you for sure. So from all sides, uh, it says that Washington Post leans left. That's, yeah. Um, but basically this gives all of the a breakdown. If you scroll through, especially on your phone, it sort of gives uh, a breakdown. It says there are 48 actions Biden has taken during his first 16 days, including health care, immigration, climate, and other issues. Um, so I don't know what all the 48 are. Right. Anyway, but I think from my count, a majority, or not majority, but I think nine of them were COVID-related, and there were a couple more health-related ones uh, that that looked to be just COVID-related, basically in response to the pandemic. Uh, but yeah. But, but then he had another weird quote that said, because uh, you know he said he had a big plan and, during the debates and stuff, and he kept harping on it. But then he said that uh, recently, this is uh, January 22nd, Biden says nothing can change the trajectory of the COVID pandemic over the next several months. And that's from CNBC. CNBC, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's put a, not a bow on this completely, but let's, let's think about this a little bit in terms of do, do we feel like, there we've we've revamped the uh the party politics line once again and the you know democrats are circling their wagons and the and the republicans are circling their wagons and they're trying to hold themselves together as much as they can and push through uh, a democratic you know platform and the republicans are holding on to whatever they've got I mean, is that kind of what you think is happening right now? Uh, and granted, there's the there's the impeachment trial, which is going to happen starting yeah. tomorrow. So I think that's mm-hmm. really going to set the stage for a lot. But I mean, the real the reality again is if they if they don't have the numbers to do this, then it's just going to be a lot of speechifying. And will they mm-hmm. really turn anybody's um, notion about what what is supposed to be done with Donald Trump? What do you think about that, Bradley? You know, I actually think this is more of a situation where the they're pushing against a, you know, the 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 bipartisan process, the I guess the movement, the natural flow of powers, because there's been a push that there's been a push basically that says, uh, you know, among especially you know left leaning Democrats that they feel like that the process for, you know, passing a bill and everything is way too slow that, that they can't get enough done. And there's been a push to move towards executive orders to get policies done because especially in our day and age where, you know, we have a second by second, you know, news cycle, 
Like it's not even like a 20, there's not, a, you know, whenever Ted Turner started CNN, we had a 24 hour news cycle, but now it's really, we get the news on our phone as soon as it happens. And I think in a situation where the world moves so fast that we want to see our government move so fast when it's not really meant to, you know, yeah. I mean, even if you look at the way that we originally set up the inauguration day to be, uh, in March, you know, so everybody gets their horse and wagons and carriages all to Washington to have the, to have the inauguration and all this stuff. And then eventually it got to the point where we could, you know, get there relatively, you know, fly there if we needed to, whatever. So they're like, Hey, we can do away with this part of the process. Now, does that mean that I'm not trying to equate, you know, the advances in technology with the, I guess, the way that our government functions, because I, I really do believe that the checks and balances system we have works and that the, the House of Representatives and the and the Senate really and the executive branch all work in unison. And, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of time, but also I think that it needs to in, in some respects because we need to have that discussion. We need to have the the vetting out of bills, and I think that if you look at, Bills like especially the Affordable Care Act, you know, aka Obamacare, which there was an executive order, you know, basically trying to prop up, uh, you know, we they voted on that in the dead of night and sort of passed it without reading the whole thing, and it was you know thousands of pages long. Uh, if the if the system, you know, plays out the way it's supposed to play out, I think that it works, but. Mm-hmm. In a in a day in a society where we want everything to move so fast, sometimes writing executive orders just easier. But at the end of the day, it's easier to undo. So is it really beneficial in the long run? I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, I, I I just don't know. I I guess I I wish um, that it would have been a clear cut. Um, clear-cut matter about the insurrection in the Capitol and that it was clear what things were violated and that it would be easy for a, um, in this case, a Republican, um, you know, independent, whoever, to say, look, if the shoe was on the other foot, and this was another group of people who came in and did this, who I didn't agree with, what would I do? Would I still, you know, say that the president who spoke to this crowd beforehand and then had people in his crowd talking about trial by combat, um, talking about doing, saying things about how, Mike Pence, his, his sitting vice president could just not certify the votes, which was from what I understand simply was, was not constitutional even remotely for him to be able to do that. But Trump just continued to say that he could do it. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I wish that it would have been very clear cut that, um, there, there would have been unity enough at that time to denounce all of this stuff and then move forward. I think the problem was that the timing of this just killed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing of it allowed for, for z- essentially zero time to truly investigate this and to have more things come out. 
And, um, and, and I think it was dangerous to a certain extent to allow for things to move as quickly as they did without the full investigations. I mean, right now there's more investigating uh, investigative material coming out again about why the national guard wasn't brought in. And, you know, I think they still have to continue to dig for that. They don't really have an exact answer. So, you know, how many times, I'm going to use television as an example, but how many times on a TV show with it is going, you know, people going to court, will you hear the district attorney tell the cops, you can't bring this in yet, I don't have enough evidence. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're not ready for this. You don't go in half-cocked and try to, you know, win something when you know you don't already have enough to do it. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in politics... Um, we're still doing that now. I mean, I don't ever want to see Trump, you know, honestly see the light of day again. You know, there, there is, there's absolutely, you know, meaning that I want him just to stay in his hole and Merlago and play golf. I, I don't really want him to make comments that, you know, are in, in any way influencing the, the American public. Uh, yeah, I, I which, just, which hasn't, yeah. Which, as an aside, he played more golf than Obama ever did, and a lot of the Republicans completely, completely just completely Obama on a daily basis because he played golf. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 completely. I mean, it's just that's just the thing. So many things by him were were accepted by the people who continued to keep him in office, continued to support him. And I, I think what all of us feel like it when I don't I I can't you know one hundred percent call it greed, but it was it was more than more than likely again people who felt like their portfolios or whatever else were still strong, and and they they wanted to have a president who, um you know were, was going to keep them keeping their you know their pot of gold, and not lose it and not spend it for other folks to help them out. Now, again, that is kind of like the bleeding heart response to saying why um, liberals don't trust Republicans. I, I get that there's that side of it. Um, but typically that, that argument's made when you, have a pre- when you have a president who's still fairly dignified, who you know shows honor and, and truthfulness about the office. It's just more a, a discussion and argument about what they do. Um, in policy than it is just Mm -hmm. some of these other things that we've seen. So gosh, I I don't know. It's, it's so hard to, um, say what direction we're going to go and how our political system works. And, uh, you know, I, I still think we have as evidence, a very strong political system, um, because it, you know, very quickly after, they cleared everybody out of that Capitol. Um, senators still went in and, and certified that vote um, when they had been pressured to do it just hours before that. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and as we saw, people did truly fear for their lives. I think to say it was anything different than that uh, is someone kind of stuck with their head in their, their head in the sand. So I think um, one of the things, Bradley, is we did get a phone call from one of our listeners and asked a question to us. Uh, I believe it was about sort of the fringe slash, uh, or let's just say the groups out there on the edge and how they form. 
And uh, but I don't want to say everything that she said in that call. So do you think it's okay if we give that call a, a play? Yeah, and go ahead and listen Let to that. Up. So let's see if I can get everything organized correctly and do that. Hey guys, this is Catherine. Um, and first of all, I just want to thank you for your podcast. I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, and Robert, you were right. I think each episode keeps getting better and better. Um, so yeah, I think you're doing a great job so far. Um, I also really appreciate that in the interview with uh, Pastor Fryson, you were upfront with the the need to have more diverse voices on the podcast. Um, I think that's great. Uh, it's, it's definitely important to hear from folks with different experiences from all of us. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, but I also have a question. I was wondering if you all have any thoughts on how the media should be treating some of these um, very extremist groups with some of these kind of far out crazy conspiracy theories. Uh, I've seen sort of a debate on this among my friends, some people saying that by reporting on this, you know, they're really just amplifying the voices and some of these sort of wacky ideas um, and maybe even drawing more people into these groups. But I've also heard an argument on the other side saying that this really needs to be reported on so that people uh, know what they're getting into if, you know, they encounter these groups online. And somebody even compared it to sort of Jonestown or a cult. You know, if people knew what the end result was, um, they they might not get caught up in it in the first place. Um, so I was just wondering if you guys had any thoughts on that. Um, yeah, keep up the good work. Thanks. All right. So that was excellent from Catherine who uh, gave us that call and asked that question. Bradley, let's let's go to you first. What do we think the media's responsibility is in or their end or their role is in reporting about what these extremist groups are are saying and what they're trying to be be known for? Well, I think uh one of our most recent examples was the whole QAnon thing uh which really had its rumbling which really sort of started a good bit before it was ever reported and i started i saw it from actually people who i knew who had got sort of sucked into it and the media didn't report it till probably a good three or four months after it it had happened and i think that the media if if i was to say uh my position i think the media should report on it and they should report on it sooner rather than later because you could argue that the media do, does draw more people to it, but I think that the, the public's need to sort of have an awareness about it compared to uh, the, I guess, the you know, the public's need to be aware of it is greater than, you know, the, those who will probably end up falling into the same trap. Because I think if you, if you just don't report on it and kick the can down the road, then that also plays into the hand of these conspiracy people who say, oh, you are, uh, the media is suppressing this. And especially, uh, you know, after witnessing it firsthand, the, the whole anti-media fake, you know, this is fake news uh, campaign that I think Trump waged against the media outlets, it, it leads more credence to it. And then people who are involved in it oh, the media is not reporting on it, so it must be true. So I would tend to lean to the media has to report it and should report it as soon as possible because 
uh, if they don't, I think they they sort of fall into the into the trap that I mean it's not necessarily true, but the the trap that hey if they don't report on it, then they don't then they are part of the then it is true and they are part of the problem. Yeah, it, it's I mean it, it's such a tough question. I, I think about it all the time. And again, Catherine, thank you for for doing that and and great to finally hear your voice after all these years. Kath, Catherine is a distant cousin, everybody. I don't mind saying it because she's a lot smarter and more talented than I am. So happy to have her on here. But I, you know, I, throughout all these times when I think about the reporting and, you know, uh, are you just giving these people the limelight that then, I guess, um, what's the type, what's the word I want to say, help propagates or it helps their numbers grow? Um, by by saying this, and they you know see someone saying their their ideas, and then just you know others uh, latch on to it. I I don't know about the psychology of that. I really would be curious to know what the psychology is on how these groups grow. Is it from exposure that they get on television, and then that actually brings in new people? Or is it that they grow if again, if it's the media covering them and the exposure that they get, or it sort of emboldens their base, so to speak, of everybody who's already in there, and then from that they go out and actively recruit um, more people to come in to their group. And uh, you know, I'm just not sure. And and the of course the thing that always bothers me greatly is um, you know, it's just like at, at what point do people begin to believe that they are sacrificing, you know, this is a QAnon theory, um, that, that democratic leaders are sacrificing young children and eating them in some sort of bizarre, you know, cannibalistic rituals. And, and that that is why you should back QAnon and overthrow uh, the government and keep Donald Trump in office because he is going to champion your, your goals. I mean, th that's the most extreme one that we've got out of all those theories, right, Bradley? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely say that's probably, I mean, aside from the conspiracy theories, which uh, some of those conspiracy theories predate QAnon by, by a bit, but right. They get lumped in, of course. Uh, but yeah, that that whole thing was real, real crazy. Like I, I don't know uh, exactly where all that came from, because there was the whole pizzeria thing, and I mean that's a whole another podcast for another day. Uh, but but yeah, I would tend to. Oh, and then there's I forgot. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but apparently uh, Trump is going to be uh, put back into office on March fourth. Oh yeah, that's the new date. Oh yeah, I've um, heard that one. I've heard that uh, one. They're, they're going to sum yeah. summarily execute all the liars, right? Yeah, and then Biden is actually not even in the White House. He actually went to uh, Castle Rock Productions, where they have a replica, you know, a replica of, course. of the uh, Oval Office, and that Biden has not stepped foot in. So correct, correct. Yeah, I mean, these these are theories that are going on out there, and it's it's. I guess what you continue to hear from people is that the folks that have these very extreme ideas um, were really lost when they didn't stop the election and, and Trump didn't win. 
And so now they've kind of regrouped and they're now saying these other ideas about what's going to happen and that, and that really Biden isn't even in there. This is all just a big, you know, hoax that, that they're doing, um, you know. So in, in our small bit of journalistic integrity, Bradley, we're saying that doesn't exist. We're coming out clear and that, that we think it is actually Biden there. We don't believe that. Uh, at least I'm speaking for myself. Can, can you now say uh, for yourself that you believe that Biden is in office? Um. I'll plead the fifth on it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, I do. I definitely. I'm. I'm. I would put good money on Trump not being in office March fourth. And if you want to, uh, put on a hundred thousand dollar bet, I'll just just shoot me a message and we'll we'll set that up. That's kind of funny how Skype actually like blurred you out, and you didn't get to say yeah. the amount of that bet when you said that. It could be Q and on everybody. Really? Oh yeah. Cuban on. Now I will say there is a, a friend of mine from college who's on one of the sites and his last name sort of rhymes with that. And he's been putting out sort of outrageous, um, satirical, uh, messages on Facebook about his, his spirit, his conspiracy theories, but his last name um, begins with it. And he calls basically his last name Anon. And I've, I've gone back and forth with him a few times and I've used my last name and done the same thing when we have competing theories. So, and yeah. you know, and it's, it, it's gone to the point of being ludicrous, the, the point of being ridiculous, um, because so much of what you think these people believe is ridiculous. I mean, my goodness, we have this guy who is the shaman with runes all over his body who is wearing the Viking thing. Yeah. And, and then you come to find out that he's on a hunger strike because he only eats, you know, pure organic food. Yeah. I mean, who, who are these people? But at the same time, man, they broke into our capital. They killed people inside yeah. of that. They were a vicious killing mob of people who used the American flag to beat and harm and nearly kill um, a Capitol police officer who begged to be let go because he had children um, that were there. And um, I tell you, it's, it's not funny at all, but what, Oh my goodness. Was I reading just recently about, I think it was, it's, it's in the, the, the Creek Mary's blood book that I've been reading and it is a historical fiction book, but there's a similar instance. Now, D Brown wrote this, um, gosh, years ago. And, uh, but there's a similar instance where there is someone who gets, um, freed by and helped by some U S soldiers after they attacked a, uh, native American camp and the, the, what the person says, um, as a result of that is I was very thankful that they saved me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and my family, but then again, if they weren't there, I wouldn't have had to have been saved. And yeah. how, how telling is that to exactly what this Capitol policeman said in a much more colorful way, um, when yeah. you saw him interviewed about, you know, thank you for being there, but F you, um, you know, I mean, yeah. thank you for saving me, but F you for being there. Yeah. And I think, I guess to bring more levity to the situation, which I don't know. <laughs> did I, did I bring levity? it down again? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that's me. 
but <laughs> but have you ever you've heard of the uh, news organization, the prestigious Newsmax? Oh, good grace! Yeah, Pre- yeah. Well, 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 no, this is going to be surprising. This is going to be surprising. I hope so. so pretty far right leaning. Uh, they had Mike Lindell, the founder CEO of My Pillow, uh, oh, yeah. had him on, and they wanted to have him on to talk <laughs> about something. And he kept going on about Trump and the and he's got he I'm making a movie. I filmed this movie in five days, uh, ba- basically talking about how you know I did all this. We got this movie ready to prove got proof that you know Trump was uh, cheated out of the election. And they kept they kept just sort of trying to steer the conversation back. Eventually, one of the anchors just got him left. Like he just walked out. Really. And, yeah, and man, I mean, it, when when Newsmax walks out on you, I think <laughs> you've got is... you've got a problem. You're not on the right side here, buddy. That that is the extreme. Yes, if the Babylon Bee decides to all of a sudden tell you the truth, and uh, and make Bradley stop posting memes from the Babylon Bee. <laughs> That just that make again. I I said that I don't know if you ever heard this, Bradley. But when I'm talking to Daryl once in the Twilight Zone podcast, I said, "Yeah, Bradley must throw his phone against the wall sometimes when I respond to his memes. When I ask him questions about him, like, what are you trying to say?" And uh, but I saw one of your recent ones about the Babylon Bee. Man, I want to chuck that phone across the room. Just like, stop it, Bradley. Just stop it. Wait, which one? Which one? I gotta know. I don't even even want to know. What was it? It's. I don't want to bring it up, man. Whatever it was, it wasn't right. It wasn't appropriate as far as I'm concerned. Babylon B, I'm not a big fan. I see, believe it or not, like I've quoted and said how much I thought the the onion was funny. But I have I have yeah. read more versions of what the onion has put out that have angered me because they're too extreme. Um, than what I ever, you know, have said that I, that I thought was a good, a good idea. But, yeah. uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I can't find it. And I just, I just saw some, somebody, somebody else's post. We need to just stop. <laughs> I think folks, we, we have gone to the point now of being a somewhat slap happy. Uh, we have recorded, it's- for yeah. about an hour and 18 minutes, at least of this recording. It's about 12 o'clock where you are, right? Oh my goodness. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to have to get up in four and a half hours and have a date with the Peloton. Well, well I got to get up in five hours. I got to be up at four for work. So maybe this is a, a joyous time and a good place to end it. it we'll, we'll say it's a good place to end it. I don't know about a joyous time. <laughs> joyous time. <laughs> I don't know about that at all. Uh, all right, everybody. Um, thank you so much for listening to us, especially this episode. <laughs> Man, I feel so bad for uh, Catherine. She, Man, y'all just keep improving and improving every episode. And we just take this thing right now. Uh, oh, she's like, I've told all my friends I'm going to be on. <laughs> Man, this episode is just real good. They're they're tight and and they got a good format and. You know? He's getting great guests on, and then it was just the two of them together. Oh. <laughs> no, we oh. do, I do actually have um, somebody who has contributed a couple times to our uh, Facebook site who has, has been in Washington and is going to give us some great ideas. I've already done a pre-interview uh, with her, and uh, so we're just trying to settle in 
on a, a date and time. And uh, I've got someone else here in local politics who's a good friend of mine who we're also going to talk to somewhere down the road. So we do have a few more folks that we're going to try to get. I want Bradley to pull in some people, and uh, we'll see who, who we can get from, from down there in the good old state of Alabama. I'm, I think i got a couple of folks down across the river I can contact. You can bring in some people from Bubba Gump. Yeah. <laughs> i got got a few friends who make some steals. I don't know. Got no. a couple steals back back now. You know, you now know about steals up in Kentucky. Well, you know we do. <laughs> you know we do. I, I, had, I think you, you I got had, one I, in the backyard, don't you? No. I had the misfortune of getting my hair cut by my barber on a uh, Christmas roughly 15 years ago. And they were drinking moonshine. And, uh, and, and he was cutting my hair. And of course, you know, I had to like take a sip of the moonshine. And I, I mean, I felt like I'd just been given lighter, fu- lighter fluid. And uh, that guy's hands just stunk of like gasoline because that stuff was so strong. That, that had to be the true white lightning. And uh, luckily yeah. with my, my head and, you know, the, the hair that I have, which is none, pretty much, he, he couldn't make any mistakes. He just took it down to one, one level and burned it all off. And man, I was just glad to get out of there. And but, if you if you you need to try the so I've heard I've never personally I've never you know because I don't think you can make moonshine. But I'm if I would have, I've heard some of the flavors like apple pie. I've heard, I have had apple pie. I'm, I'll, I'll admit it right now. Oh yeah, we've got um, even though we're here in Louisville, which is recognizes you know I think. Not, not too people give Covington, Kentucky, the, the credit it's due as essentially being an, an Ohio city uh, because it's so close to Cincinnati. But yeah. uh, Louisville gets a lot of a lot of flack, so to speak, for being the, the northerners uh, of Kentucky. But uh, we have more than a few folks within a good ten mile radius outside of downtown Louisville that probably have their own their own hooch brewing various places. Yeah. And I've certainly had folks come in from elsewhere and uh, brought in their mason jars and and brought it around for Christmas to want to give everybody a, a sample. And I tell you, I mean, I can barely go past wine for anything I drink. So I'll try it, but that's just some of that stuff. That's just horrible. <laughs> I mean, it tasted yeah. okay, but my gosh, the alcohol content. So no, oh, yeah. forget it. No. Not well, well, guys, we wanted to thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of Shining with Rob and Brad here. <laughs> Shining. Is that what they call it in Alabama? No, I, that, I just a, thought that. He's a shiner. We got well, you know, we did have the Dukes of Hazard TV show. We just like, TV pretty show. much hijacked. What? We did have the Dukes what, of what Hazard TV show. So that's Hazard, yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, that was that. Trust me, that wasn't yeah. Hazard. That wasn't Hazard, Tennessee. No, so, I remember uh, Wyland Genie's song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, why do they have those fast cars? That's because they were outrunning the cops when they were running their liquor. But they all they, car started? But they all know it did. But that was more that was more uh, South Carolina, I believe. Yeah. But uh, they all knew where the Dukes lived. So <laughs> what's going on there? Yeah, I don't understand that. Oh, okay. I, now I, I'm taking it low. I'm keeping this in. I'm keeping this in. I was going to say how much of this makes it in. It's going to all Nobody make it knows. in. Knows. Once again, we're making Catherine's day. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, hopefully you're laughing. 
Oh, gosh. All right. That's it, Bradley. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you um, bearing with us and all this. We will have some um, some more podcast guests, if, as long as they don't listen to this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. And we'll, we'll continue to try to give you a fair and unbiased look at politics where we believe that there are two sides to every story. There's Bradley's side of the story. <laughs> There's my side of the story. And somewhere in the middle lies the truth. Good night, everybody. Have a great day. Good night, guys. I never told anybody to lie. Not a single time. Never. These allegations are false. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. I'm not going to continue trying to respond to these repetitions of the falsehoods that have already been stated here. Read my lips. No new taxes. Our politics seems more vulnerable to conspiracy theories and outright fabrication. We choose truth over facts. Some of the most dishonest people in media are the so-called fact checkers. We will keep this promise to the American people. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor, period. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan, period. Just totally distorting everything possible concerning the facts.